not case. Hope not hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope not hate. An alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backwards thinking, virtue, sick, virtue signaling, fake news crack. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. The trade union movement is gathering this weekend for its annual congress in Manchester. My colleague Joe Mulhall had a chance to sit down with Francis O'Grady, the TUC's general secretary and a long-standing anti-fascist. They talked about Tommy Robinson, they talked about the re-rise of UKIP and they talked about strategies for fighting the far right in 2018. So, welcome to the Hope Not Hate podcast. We've got a very, very exciting guest with us today. We have uh, Francis O'Grady, who I'm sure you all know, uh, which is General Secretary of the Trade Union Congress. Uh, We're really, really excited to have you here with us today. I'm sure if you don't know, but um, as we say, uh, General Secretary of the TUC, but is the first woman to ever hold the post and is also a tireless campaigner for workers' rights and has a brilliant track record in terms of fighting racism, fighting fascism. So we're really excited. Thanks for joining it's us today. great to be here and thanks for the invitation. No, no problem. I wanted to start with a kind of nice, simple one, really. Well, I say simple. <laughs> it's probably the opposite of simple. But, um, you know, we've got some really problem, problematic threats coming from the far right at the moment. It, we're seeing large numbers on the streets. Um, we're seeing kind of mainstream racism in society. We've got lots of problems as a movement that we're facing. Um, do you think this poses a specific threat to the trade union movement, to the labour movement more generally? It's clearly a massive worry for the trade union movement. But what always intrigues me is that very often support for the far right or for racist views uh, is highest where immigration is least. And I think that's worth noting because it also encourages us to look at the root causes of racism. And without doubt, throughout history, and it's the same today in this respect, that when you've got people who haven't had a real pay rise for a decade, when you've got a million people waiting on council home waiting lists, uh, schools and hospitals under pressure, people feeling that the only jobs out there are zero hours or bogus self-employment jobs, and they have no sense of hope that their own kids are going to have a better future than they did, it's not surprising that people are worried, people are scared, and that if you get charismatic Uh, so-called populist leaders coming along saying well this is all the problem of this is the fault of migrants then you can see why that can gain traction and I think the trade union movement has a really important job to do in pointing out this is not the fault of migrants this is the fault of uh, a government that's imposed you know, massive cuts on our public services and that has failed to tackle those greedy bosses who use migrant labour to undercut pay rates. So we have to point the finger of blame where it belongs. Absolutely. Actually, I mean, we've done a huge amount of research on that, I hope not hate, and there is a clear correlation between things like economic pessimism and people's cultural concerns around it. So it's really, really great to hear you say that. I mean, one of the things I guess I'd ask is what role, if we're going to fight back against this threat, you know, and we're talking mm-hmm. about economics and we're talking about some of these issues that are, are pe- making people extremely angry, I guess twofold. Do we think people are right to be angry at the moment? I mean, when you go on these demonstrations, hope not hate, monitor a lot of these far-right demonstrations, and there is a real visceral anger that we, we're hearing there. Um, are people right to be angry about some of these issues? And is it perhaps that they're just articulating it in the wrong way? I think people are right to be angry. I feel angry. Um, like I say, the real issue is who do we blame? And there is a terrible uh, truth in the fact that if you look at some of the wealthy backers 
who are supporting the far right, they are the establishment. So the idea that they are somehow anti-establishment or sticking up for blue-collar workers is the biggest whopper going. Um, But I think it's also more positively about... You know, because it is complicated, I think. Some of this is complicated, and it's about is about people's sense of identity and pride and dignity. And, you know, trade unions have always been working-class institutions that give you a sense of pride. And when you have a government that has attacked trade unions and made it more difficult for us to stick up for working people and to get fairness for working people, again, I think that is an important part of the story, that we need strong institutions with decent values of respect and equality and tolerance that bring people together, don't push them apart. One of the things that we're noticing a huge amount looking at the kind of contemporary far right is, as well as a lot of these issues we talk about, say immigration and things, we're also seeing a really virulent kind of misogyny and anti-feminism and anti-women politics. How important do you think that is? And uh, is this something that this is something we should be talking about more as a movement? Yeah, I would like to bring this more to the surface because uh, you know certainly my reading of some of the key figures not just in Britain but uh, internationally too very often there seems to be this pattern uh, that whether it's wealthy backers or it's the guys on the streets that um, very often some of the key leaders seem to have been up for domestic violence or um, have allegations of uh, sexual misconduct or harassment or assault against them. Now, is that a coincidence or is that part of who they are? Because it feels to me as if hatred of women is a theme running through this too. But I'm not complacent about this because it may look, and it is, um, a very uh, macho movement currently, but I'm also conscious that in countries like Germany, for example, the AFD is making a really big bid for women's support by talking about family, uh, by pitching welfare cuts uh, for ordinary families against you know, uh, financial support for asylum seekers. And you can see the game they're playing, but uh, my concern is that that appears to be getting some traction with some women too. So... None of this is simple, and other than what we do know is that we as working people have to stand united, whatever our race, religion, or whether we're men or women, we have to stick together because uh, we're the best ones to talk about our interests, to fight for them, and to win them. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's completely right. I mean, I think we've been kind of increasingly talking about this at Hope Not Hate about the importance of anti feminist politics, like misogyny in this movement. Um, and it is ripped through, and you see it on the streets at these movements, you see it on their websites. Um, do you think that maybe in terms of when we're talking about how we start to fight back, how we organise back, how important is it that we take that into consideration in terms of making sure that the way we fight back doesn't feed into some of those kind of same... It's, it's not just... Mis- we're not misogynistic as a movement. We're not. It's not just white men fighting back. Um, that we make sure that the anti-fascist movement and the labour movement more generally is as inclusive and open especially towards women, uh, when it comes to coming up with tactics to fight back? I think you're bang on, because I think the worst thing we could do is copy them. Uh, You know, turning this into just a a sort of a a competition around machismo, for me, is not the answer. Um, I think we lead through example, and it's important that we have working-class women as well as working-class men leading that fight back. 
Brilliant. And I guess on the fight back, right, we've talked about some of the economic issues, we've talked about this, and I want to talk a little bit, and, you know, we often talk end up endlessly gloomy things about, but there, there is a fight back happening. The trade union movement is at the core of, of kind of trying to make society a better place. Um, what's your take on the kind of economic and political remedies that might work for fighting back and undermining some of the issues that are causing to the driving, like the rise of the far right? You haven't got long enough in this podcast. <laughs> but without doubt, uh, it can't just be about pointing out what's wrong with them. I think it has to be about um, offering that kind of hope, a platform for change, and the kind of new deal that we've been talking about that does deliver decent jobs and workers' rights, but especially in the parts of the country that need them most. Uh, you know, too often we're seen as a movement of cities. We've got to become a movement of towns and communities once more. Um, but, you know, if we could raise the minimum wage, if we could win a genuine living wage, we've been arguing for £10 an hour, if we could crack down on zero hours, if we could uh, stop the greed sheer greed of those employers who are trying to use workers against each other to drive down the cost of labour and and worsen conditions. If we could get rid of that anti-democratic trade union act uh, so that unions had a fair crack at organising new workplaces, Um, if we could build homes, if we could strengthen our communities. You know, there is is, um, hope, I think, that Britain doesn't have to be this way. We could create a fairer decent Britain uh, where we respect each other and look after each other because in the end for me trade unionism at its heart is about working people looking after each other and uh, you know we know that if we're divided our chances of winning are much less but you know I'd also point out you look at some of our recent victories uh, whether it's um, you know the wonderful organising campaign going on at TGI Fridays Uh, The fact that McDonald's, the mightiest multinational in the world, was taken on by young workers or the breakthrough we've had in Ryanair. Look at who those very often young working people are. You know, they're very diverse, all walks of life, but by sticking together, they're making a difference. And so I think we need to point up to some of those uh, achievements as well and take some pride in them. That's great to hear. I mean, it's always really exciting to have something, you know, hope not hate, something, something positive, something positive to talk about. Um, um, one of the things that, I mean, obviously we kind of often, as a movement, it's really important that we look at, the, you know, some of our opponents on the far right and how we're going to do about it. Is there anything we need to do internally as a movement in terms of whether or not it's within our trade union movement, whether or not it's in progressive movements more generally about education or um, we're not all perfect, you know, we, we, we have problems internally. What sort yeah. of problems might they be and what sort of things yeah. might we need to do to tackle them? Well, first up, and, um, you know, this might sound, I don't know how it will sound, but I do think we need a bit of humility. Um, I think exactly as maybe you're suggesting that uh, we need to recognise we've all got lots to learn. And the beauty of trade unionism is not that we're all meant to be these fully formed, you know, perfect uh, people, but that we can learn from each other uh, through real life experience and through working together, uh, that we create friendships, we create communities. Um, so I'm not complacent about the trade union movement. When I was, um, you know, it's no secret the TUC campaigned for a Remain vote, uh, but we've respected the result. 
But when I was kind of going around factories and workplaces, it was very clear to me that a lot of our reps did not feel confident about taking on some of the arguments from the likes of UKIP, for example. And understandably, I understand why that felt tough. Uh, But what it says to me is that there's a lot of work for us to do in terms of our basic education and training and support for each other so that our reps do feel confident and they do feel supported to have those one-to-one conversations in a way that I think some of them don't right now. You know, the TUC alone, never mind our unions, just the TUC, we train up 50,000 workplace reps every year. That is a fantastic opportunity to make sure that our opinion leaders feel confident, not just in the workplace, but in the community too, because very often our reps are not just you know, leaders in the workplace, they're also football coaches, uh, housing you know, organisers, they do all sorts of amazing stuff. So we've got a massive resource there. And I would also say um, we've got a special uh, power and responsibility in the fact that we're part of a, a European movement, the ETUC, and an international movement, the ITUC. So we can match the far right in terms of our reach internationally and our ability to pull the very best thinking the very best action to work find out what works uh, best um, and to draw strength from each other as an international movement with the same values wherever we organize that's so important to hear actually because so much of the threat we look at now is international. The far right exactly. move across borders, and I sometimes feel actually that they've got the jump on us. We're supposed to be the exactly. internationalists, and they're the ones that are actually genuinely collaborating across yeah. borders. So it's exciting. To and, I, and I do understand those who talk about, and you know, believe you me, I'd love to see it. You know, um, let's do what we did in the 1970s in terms of big music events. All of that has a role to play, but life has moved on, and. Um, the, capac- the far right's capacity to tap into very big funds, to use social media, to mobilise big numbers via social media. You know, these, these are new expressions of the same old filth yeah. <laughs> that, that we have to um, address. And uh, we've got the capacity too. We've got to use it. Actually, you've, you've preempted kind Sorry. of my next question. No, 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 it's perfect, actually. I mean, there is a lot of talk in the movement about do we need to resurrect the anti-Nazi league? And um, I was going to kind of ask your opinion on it. You've, you've kind of talked about it briefly there. But, um, you know, I, I very much agree with what you've just said. Things have changed dramatically. It's not mm. to say that those... Um, it's not necessarily just about regurgitating tactics that we've used before and that were successful in the past. The threat's different, yeah. and we might need to do something different. What do you think... We might need to do. I mean, there is a lot of call to say we need more demonstrations. We, I mean, mm. is that all of it? Is that part of it? What do you think might be the best way that, as a movement, we can start to fight back a bit more? I think, um, you know, all of that is valuable activities. It's, it's not like we'll ever have finished the job in terms of uh, countering fascism or racism or anti-Semitism. We've, you know, there is plenty of work to do and there is plenty of room for everybody to make a contribution. But... I'm also pretty clear in my mind that only having protests is not enough, um, that there is deep-rooted discontent in many of our communities and there is long-term real work that needs to be done to turn that around or, or steer it towards the targets rather than scapegoating um, migrants or Muslims. 
um, in particular, which is where I think a lot of it is is happening. So, um, so we we have to do some of that tougher work, maybe less glamorous, and certainly more patient work in communities. We have to stand alongside communities when they are threatened, and I'm very proud that some of you know our TUC officers, you know, when we've had mosques or synagogues threatened, even just getting together a bunch of people to go and stand outside, you know, that matters. It sends a signal and it shows support in a practical way. I think that still counts. Uh, but I also think we have to get a bit more sophisticated at a. Uh, a mass media level in the sense of social media in particular and also in our strategizing about what we do because um, you know the trade union movement isn't as it was in the 1970s or indeed in the 1930s uh, you know our um, capacity is different and I think we have to do a lot of hard thinking about where we make our best contribution I think some of it is traditional that um, the TUC and unions have always been, if you like, a, a sort of trusted convener for other groups. You know, we can pull others together, so we're all working in the same direction, get people in a room, get people talking, and most importantly, get some action. Um, but as I say, we also have an international reach, which I, I feel we could be uh, using much more effectively than we currently are encountering what the far right is doing at uh, cross-border level brilliant i mean i yeah i mean i couldn't agree more <laughs> um, i just had one final question for you looking into the future um because I, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to, to to ask you this and ask the kind of the trade union movement this about future threats really i mean so what should we be looking to we've talked about how those kind of economic changes can affect mm. the rise of the far right what should we be looking out for the future? Is it things like long-term effect of Brexit? Is it mm. uh, issues around, you know, uh, automation within our workplaces? Are we going to see... What sort of issues are the TUC considering as threats and, and dangers in the future that we might also be having to talk about in 10 years' time? Yeah, all that and more. <laughs> uh, you know, there it, we are facing real disruption, uh, certainly through Brexit, um, certainly through this, you know, continuing growing inequality... Um, and also through artificial intelligence, automation, robots, all of that machine learning, all of that too. And uh, without doubt, a lot of people understandably feel very anxious about that. But what I would say is that none of this is written on a tablet of stone. It's all about the political choices that we make. And we can make choices today that will shape our future tomorrow. And if we decide, as ordinary people, that what matters to us is everybody having a decent job, everybody being treated with respect, um, you know, and that being put at the heart of our strategy, I think we can make a real difference for the future. And I hope that future generations um, will not have to I'm trying to think of a word that isn't a swear word but you know what has what is going on today because you know it grieves me and the reality is we are seeing an increase in hate crime we are seeing a lot of people who are really worried about their futures and you know it we have huge potential to come together as a movement and to change not just Britain but beyond for the good 
Um, and the trade union movement, I believe, is up for it. And I think many of our good friends and allies are up for that too. And, you know, it's one of those moments in history where we just have to keep on keeping on because it's tough without doubt. And it's very often scary, but I believe that justice will win through. Brilliant. Thank you. It's lovely to finish on a kind of on a note of kind of uh, you know we're going to fight this one. Um, thank you so much for giving up some time. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, this, uh, well, thank you again. Can I thank Hope Not Hate for all the fantastic work that you do, and you know here's to that friendship continuing because you do amazing work. The trade union movement needs you. We don't thank you often enough, but thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>